0: know these aren't random times that we get together and I want to talk about Shabbat today specifically. God spoke to a people that these are days to to observe and to remember. Not in a religious way, but God uses these times to call us back to Himself. And I'm so glad Shabbat, you know, you think about six days you work and on the seventh day, this is a day of rest. This is what God spoke to us and we need to walk in that. And I don't know about you. I I suspect that many of you feel the same way. The older I get, the more I want to walk in his authority. The older I get, the more I want to walk in his authority and his power. Because there's just something about that. When we are walking in his authority, things happen. Not that I do, but God says, I'm presenting myself with you as you do that. You know, it's interesting, authority and power. When Yeshua was with his disciples, he talked a lot about authority. He said, I come in the, in the authority of the Father. He said that all the time. I come in the authority of the Father. And then he went to the cross. And then he met with his disciples. And Matthew 28 he says, all authority has been given to me. Yeshua said, all authority that I was coming in the name of the Father's authority, now he's given me this authority. And then he gave us authority. We don't understand authority. Authority is based on relationship. Power is a gift. Power is like, you know, that, that comes out of, out of uh, uh, authority. But authority, God, God increases our authority as we increase in our intimacy with him. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a relationship there between my intimacy with him and greater authority being released through me. And that I don't know about you, but that's what I desire. And one of those things is to experience his blessings is to walk in obedience and even in the area of Shabbat. We talked about la- blessing last week and blessing a definition is the anointing of a God to release. Blessing is the anointing of God to release, increase, prosperity, all things good and pleasant. Blessing is a good thing. And God wants to bless his children. Now I'm not one of those name it and claim it people but I am one of those people who believes that the nature of God is to bless his children and to bless abundantly. He's a good God. He's a loving father. But to, to walk in the blessings of God there are some requirements that we have to walk in. Obedience. He desires fellowship with us. And when we start walking in that obedience of fellowship and intimacy, man, the blessings are going to be just flowing. We talked about this last week. He wants to remove the stones over the wells of ancient blessings. If you look through wells in the scripture, very important, especially we're talking about the desert. You ever been to Israel, or have you been to a real deserty place? Deserty is that a word? I don't even know if it's a word, but you know what I mean. And every once in a while, you'll see an oa- You'll see a bunch of trees. It's like an oasis, and there is always going to be a well there, and it's a place of gathering. A well is a symbol for a community. It's a symbol of gathering. It's a symbol of of prosperity. It's a symbol of you know they would bring their flocks to water. And it's also a place of communion. It's also a place of, of covenant. You know that Isaac and Jacob, where did they meet their wives? Met them at wells. So if there's anybody single here, I just, no, I'm not. But there's, <laughs> Sandy goes, no, 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 I'm perfectly okay. No, but there's just something about the place of gathering at that well. But you know what happens when a well... If it falls into disrepair or it's covered over, everybody suffers. Everybody suffers. And you remember the names of the wells that Isaac uncovered. His father dug the wells. Abraham dug the wells, and then Isaac uncovered them. One of them was quarrel. The name of the, the well was quarrel because they were fighting over this place. And another well that was uncovered was False accusation. That was the name of it, false accusation. But the last one, they didn't fight. They all were able to receive and, and experience the blessing of that well, and it was called wide spaces. The blessing of wide spaces. God wants to remove the covers, the stones that some of us have over the wells to receive those blessings. We're going to be talking about over the next few weeks the cycles of God. We're going to be looking specifically at Shabbat. So this may be a refresher, course. You know, we're here on a Shabbat. We're at a Messianic Jewish congregation because we love the Shabbat. But maybe some of us are new. We don't really understand the reasons why we love the Shabbat and why we celebrate and observe the Shabbat. So we're going to be talking about the Shabbat. And something that's, that's fairly new, even to me, it's been in the scriptures. Isn't that interesting? It's new to me, but it's been in the scriptures for a long time, at least 20 years. <laughs> many, many years. Rosh Kodesh, new moons, first fruits. Rosh Kodesh. You see, God placed these, not randomly, but a weekly, monthly. And then, of course, we have the Mo'adim, the, the appointed times throughout the year. We're going to be looking at them. And why did God place these events, these days, in the middle of our year, in the biblical year? I believe one of the reasons was to break the power of the enemy. We may not look at it that way, but when we celebrate Shabbat and the Feast of the Lord, we are breaking the power of the enemy in our lives. What do I mean by that? What do I mean? The last thing Satan wants us to, to do is to walk in obedience to what God says. And God says, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. Because I want to experience the blessings. I want to walk in greater authority and power. And these times of of coming away, and that's that's another reason for these specific days and times is that we draw closer. We tra- draw closer to him with an ever-increasing revelation of blessing. You know, we work six days, and that's good. God created us. I believe part of what it created is to work, to produce. But we need to pull away, and we need to spend that time, and in that pulling away, we draw closer to him. Consecration. That's what Shabbat is all about. That's what these days are all about. I believe we're in a season, you know, we've talked about a new wineskin. Some people are calling it a new normal. I'm not calling it a new normal. I call it a new wineskin of consecration where the bride, and I really believe, and and it started around Passover, but even with this quarantine, God is preparing his bride for his return. And as a bride consecrates herself because of the love of her bride, her bridegroom, That's what we are to be doing during this time. Drawing closer to him with an increasing revelation of blessing. Being wholehearted in our dedication and consecration to him. Because he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Not for a bride who does things out of obligation. Does things because it's required of him but we, we, we celebrate Shabbat because we love him and we love what he loves. You know, last week I briefly talked about the great compromise of the fourth century with Constantine, where we lost that biblical mindset, that Hebraic mindset. The church gained peace. Peace but lost identity and much of her spiritual power. For the first 300 years of the church, the believers, they followed the apostolic pattern of those who walked with Yeshua. You see, the 12 disciples and the others, they lived with, they heard, they ate with, they spent time with Yeshua. And the foundations of the body of Messiah were in those men. And the church grew in spite of persecution, in spite of everything that came against them. Do you think that they forsake the Shabbat and the Moadim in these special times? No, as a matter of fact, if you read in Acts 15, you know what it talks about. You know, the Gentiles are coming into the kingdom of God, and, and only four things are put on them. He says, Because you are meeting in the synagogues, and you will be learning about these things in the synagogues. So there was an understanding of these things, there was an embracing of these things, and the church grew in the midst of persecution. It never lost its passion and its fire. That's why I'm convinced that Shabbat and the feast of the Lord are not legalistic, because if it was legalistic, there would be no passion and no fire, and God wants us to experience that fire and passion. Shabbat is a blessing in the midst of the battles. How many of us struggle with things during the week? We all do. Because you know what? This is not our home. You know, we're just kind of passing through. You know, keep on trucking, passing through. You know that? Remember that back in the day? You remember that, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're in the world, but we're not of this world. And so we are in the midst of battles. You know what those battles are like, Jan, don't you? But yet God says, you know what? Come Friday night, I want you to enter into a new paradigm. We're going to be entering into something that's different from the rest of the week. It's set apart. It's, I want you to learn how to experience my rest is what God is saying. Hebrews chapter four, verse nine. Hebrews, nine, Hebrews four, starting in verse nine, says, so there remains a Shabbat rest for the people. For the one who has entered God's rest has also ceased from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort, Enter that rest so that no one may fall through the same pattern of disobedience. Yeah, you can say God is commanding you to rest, but He's commanding us because He's got a heart of love and He knows what it is when we're going running on fumes, when there's nothing left. You see, because we're born on a battlefield. Even soldiers have to take a time out. When I was in the Navy and we would work and we would work and we would work for months and then we went on R&R. You know what R&R is? Rest and recreation. But we are called every seven days to experience that. God's built it into his calendar. Isn't that awesome? To experience, to be restored, to have our strength restored, not just our physical strength, but also to have our perspective. Shabbat is about getting our perspective right. I love what David says in the Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. Now, this isn't necessarily a Shabbat Psalm, but to me, it talks about that rest that we're to experience on Shabbat. Let me just read it for you, Psalm 23. Most of you know it by heart. Adonai is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. How many of you need those green pastures and still waters right now in your lives? God says, hey, on Shabbat, that's what I want you to experience. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Are we experiencing his presence in our life? He wants us to experience his presence in our life on Shabbat, to know that he is with us. Then he goes on, he says, you prepare a table before me, In the presence of my enemies. How many of you have had to deal with false accusations this week? People have come against you. You know, when people come against us, you know, what is our first tendency is to defend ourselves? What was the example of Yeshua? He said nothing sometimes. But I was reading Paul and Paul defended himself. But... When there's an accusation that comes against us, go to the Lord first and say, Lord, is there any truth in this accusation? Deal with the accusation so that you can be clear in your heart. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Can you, can you imagine David sitting down at a table surrounded by enemies to enjoy a meal with the Lord? He says, you have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I like that. Wherever you go, goodness and mercy are going to follow you and overtake you all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of Adonai forever. You see, David knew something about Shabbat rest. He knew something about Shabbat rest, and God wants us to walk in that understanding and Revelation too. You know, if you happen to be a first-century pagan, Or maybe even a 21st century pagan, walking in Jerusalem, walking in Israel, maybe in the first century, there would be two things that would be unique to Israel. Nowhere else in the world unique to Israel. You know what they would be? Hmm? First of all, there was a temple. There's temples all over the world, but this temple, there was no idols, no statues. It was a temple for the true God, the one true God in Jerusalem. But another thing that was unique to Israel was the Shabbat. If you're a pagan, you don't know anything about days. Every day was a work day. And here, there's a people... Everybody, from the richest to the poorest, families, singles, orphans, and even the animals, they did no work on this one day of the week. And that was unusual. That was totally unique to Israel. No work was being done by anyone on the Shabbat. A day It was a day that was set then, but it is today still. A day literally to step into God's rest. That's what he wants us to do. We've lost that, not just the day of Shabbat, but the attitude of Shabbat. You know, people talk about the Ten Commandments, but I think mostly people talk about the Nine Commandments. There's only nine commandments to a lot of people. As a matter of fact, I was in a church not too long ago, and where it's number four, you know, anybody know what the fourth commandment is? It's to honor the Shabbat. But it said honor the Lord's day. It didn't say honor the Shabbat. It said honor the Lord's day. But that's not what the word says. It's honor the Shabbat. It's a specific day. But let's see what God's word says in Genesis chapter 1, sheet, chapter 1, verse 31. It says, so God saw everything he made, and behold, it was very good. So there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Reading on into reading on into chapter 2. So the heavens and the earth were completed along with their entire array. God completed on the seventh day his work that he made, and he ceased on the seventh day from all his work that he made. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. For on it he ceased from all his work that God created for the purpose of preparing. Some of your your versions may say, instead of purpose of preparing, it might say, so so that it itself could produce. God set this day in motion. It wasn't a man thing. It wasn't a, a governmental thing. God said, I'm going to rest. And it's not because he was tired at all. But you see, that whole understanding of the rest, the Shabbat, is misunderstood in much of the church. I want to read this statement from Rabbi Chaim Halivi Donin. What does the Torah teach us when it says that God rested? Is he human, that he tires and needs physical rest? It is to teach us that just as God stopped creating physical things on the seventh day, so is man to stop creating on this day. Man is to stop making things, to stop manipulating nature. By destroying, by by desisting from all such labors, we not only acknowledge the existence of a creator, but also emulate the divine example. God is our example. God the Father is our example in this very thing of observing the Shabbat. He ceased creating, not because he was tired, because he wanted to enjoy his creation. He set it aside. He consecrated it. He made it holy. Some of the misunderstanding in the church is that they'll say in Messiah, in Christ, we are already already in God's rest. So we don't need to observe a specific day. And in some ways, that's true. When I enter into a relationship with God, when I'm saved, I do enter into his rest. But God still says, I want you to set this day apart to be with me, to observe a day. It's an illustration. I don't know if you've ever shot bow and arrow. I have when I was a kid. It was it was kind of fun to do. I haven't done it in a long time. Tom, do you do that? I bet you I bet you do. Now, what would happen? Do you have a bow? But did you used to have a bow? What would happen if you kept it stringed the whole time? Exactly. See, an archer knows this. If you have a bow, you have to that bow. Well, that archer depends on the strength of his bow, and it needs to be unstringed. If you keep it stringed all the time, it loses its flexibility. See, constant pressure weakens the bow's flexibility and power. And I think we're made the same way. If you're just under pressure and you're just going and going and going all the time, you think you're doing great. But you're losing your authority, you're losing your flexibility, you're losing your power. So Shabbat is an actual time. It's a day. It's a physical time, a physical refreshment. It's a time of healing. It's a time of restoration. It's a time of mental creativity. That's what I love it when Cherie comes and on Shabbat, she's painting because God is speaking to her. It's not a work for her. It's something that she does out of her worship, her worship. It's a day of revelation from God. Let's look at another scripture in regards to Shabbat 2 in Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Observe Yom Shabbat. And when it says Yom Shabbat, that is a specific day. You notice when I read in Genesis, he said on the seventh day. He said it twice. So it's a specific day, the seventh day. Yom Shabbat. And, you know, in the Israeli calendar, they don't measure the name. They don't give a name, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Those are names that were given by, you know, during the Roman Empire, and they don't have any meaning to what God, God's meaning. And basically, he just numbered the days. Day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, day 6, day 7, Yom Shabbat. What's that? Or say this many days Shabbat. Exactly. Exactly. Observe Job's Shabbat to keep it holy, as Adonai your God commanded you. Six days you are to labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Shabbat to Adonai your God. In it you are not to do any work, not you or your son or your daughter or your slave or your maid or your ox, your donkey, or any of your livestock or the outsider within your gates, so that your slave and your maid may rest as you do. Verse 15, you must remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And Adonai, your God, brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, Adonai, your God, commanded you to keep Yom Shabbat. It's the fourth commandment. How can we do so well in trying to keep the other nine commandments, and so many of us fall short on the Shabbat? God's been speaking to me about Really making it a Shabbat, starting on that Friday night, going through Saturday evening. There's two aspects of Shabbat we're commanded to do. And if you know, we light two candles to represent those two aspects of Shabbat on Friday night. The first candle is observe. We're to observe a specific day, day seven, just as God did. He made it holy. He set it apart. From the common, he set it apart. It's a designated day, okay? It's unlike. It's to be different from all other days. It's to be different. It's a, con- it's a day of consecration. No regular work for the family or for the servants. Complete rest for you, for your employees, for even for your animals, and for your land, So that's the first part, is to observe a specific day. Secondly, he says, remember to whom you belong. Remember to whom you belong. To remember where you have come from. Part of Shabbat is to remember and to celebrate we are saved. And that God took us out of Egypt. He took us out out of that land of slavery. And, you know, the people of Israel, that's what they did on Shabbat. They remembered the exodus from Egypt. This is a time where we remember that we are a new identity and we are in a new family. That is worth celebrating. Amen? And also we celebrate and we remember the fact that the power of sin has been broken in us by the blood of Yeshua, by the cross, the finished work of Yeshua. The power of sin has been broken in our lives. Shabbat is a day that we remember that. That's what it's all about. It's a day where we remember that we have a destiny. We have a hope and a future that is guaranteed. Boy, I'm yelling. You know, you get my heart. You see, when we bring those two together, observance and remembrance, what happens is shalom. A shalom comes over us. A peace, a thankfulness, a desire to worship. Shabbat is a day of worship. Blessings of wholeness. And this is the reason why we gather together. You know, we can meet in our homes, we, can, we don't have to come together. You can enjoy Shabbat at home on your own. That's not, a, that's not the issue. But we're called to gather together to celebrate him as a community, as a mishpacha, as a family, and to encourage one another. Were you encouraged by Jan's testimony today? See, I don't particularly see Shabbat service as an evangelistic outreach. It's not about that at all. Matter of fact, this is a time to just be restored and shoo, encouraged so that I can go back out there for the next six days and do what God's called me to do to, to bring light into darkness, to bring his kingdom into a dark world. But we got to come away at times and say, hey, I'm with family, man. I'm safe. This is, this is you're my kin. Kin, what am I, Jed Clampett or something? but it's a time of celebration. It's a time of coming together. You know, I love it when we were living, and I learned, you know, I've been on a journey of learning and enjoying Shabbat. I grew up in a Jewish home, and when I was really little, our family used to go to the shul, to the synagogue on Shabbat. I would go to Shabbat school, and it was great. I would learn the same stories that you would learn, the Old Testament stories, anyway. (laughs) And uh, my parents would be in the main sanctuary, and and uh, it was fun. It was it was good. You know, I'd bring my Karen to me. Remember Karen to me, Carrie bring our little offerings to the Lord and things like that. But then, as I you know got a little bit older and, and my, my brother and sister are older, we stopped going to the synagogue pretty much. Saturday became just you know a day to do other things. And I, and and even when I when I came into a relationship with the Lord, I um. I really didn't. Oh wow, Shabbat is one of the things that I, I started going to Sunday. And so, it's been a gradual thing for me. Really, you know, it just motivated me a lot. Was when we were living in Israel and to experience Shabbat in Israel. Three o'clock in the afternoon, Friday afternoon, things begin to slow down. I lived in Tel Aviv, which is a crazy, loud, noisy, busy city. Okay, but by three o'clock, things are starting to close down. You've gone to the shuk to get your groceries for the weekend flowers to bring home to the wife and and even in the shook at about three o'clock it's starting to, to empty out people are going home and the buses are full because everybody's heading home the soldiers are heading home and then by about five o'clock it's quiet in Tel Aviv when it got quiet on a Friday after it was like wow you know something is happening here even in Tel Aviv Jerusalem is even quieter because everything is shut down. And then you start walking, especially in nights like, you know, days like this when it's warm out and you're walking and people have their windows open and, and people are gathered. You can smell all the food being cooked and the families are together and they start singing. And it's just something special about that family time on Friday evening. And then on Shabbat morning, a lot of the folks would get up and, and the men would go to the to join together with the minion at the shul and the synagogue. And, and, and then the family would come later and then they would just rest the rest of the day they would take a nap they would go for a walk see that's what Shabbat is all about that's what Shabbat is all about you see we need to receive it though it's not just an automatic well I went to a Shabbat service so I'm good now I can go out and do this and do that we need to receive it I heard this quote work always expands to fill the hours available in a day unless we designate a time for rest if you notice that you got a job to do. You just get okay, it's you got to keep on doing it. And pretty soon it just it, you're obsessed with it. You're you're so involved with it. God says, I've set boundaries for you. Keep these boundaries, keep these boundaries. But see, there's a problem with any biblical commandment. It can become a religious burden and an obligation if we allow it to. Yes, there's a violation if we don't keep. The Shabbat, there is. The scriptures are pretty clear. For Israel, for not keeping the Shabbat, it was exile. Cut off from blessings. See, I believe that one of the things, one of the saddest things that came out of the great compromise of the fourth century was when Constantine basically got rid of all the biblical cycles. Cut the church off from the blessings, the ancient blessings of the wells. You know, because of his anti Semitism. Yes, I'm going to say it. He was anti Semitic, one of the fathers of the church. But out of his anti Semitism, he cut off the church from its biblical roots. And part of that was Shabbat. They were forbidden to keep the Shabbat. But we don't, God doesn't want it to be a legalistic thing. By the time of Yeshua, when Yeshua was walking on, Earth, on planet Earth, it became a he would come into Jerusalem, and he saw that it became a burden. The Shabbat became a burden to many. The Pharisees had turned it into a check-the-box event of what is considered work. Now, there's a good thing in setting a wall around the Torah so that we don't break the Torah. Have you ever heard that term? Setting, making a wall, creating, building a wall around the Torah so that we don't break the Torah. But and a lot of times, it's, it's you're not allowed to do this they had to define what work is. And so the Pharisees came up with 39 different categories of what work was. Okay? And so it became a check-the-box type of thing. And that's not what it was supposed to be about. Many different categories. And I experienced that even growing up. Even as a as a, as a young boy, we lived next door to a, um, an Orthodox family. And... Um, we, we went to a conservative temple. They, went, they were very orthodox. And I remember one Saturday morning, I've shared this before, I woke up and our kitchen was full of ants. And the stores weren't open. We had no ant spray. So my mom says, run next door and, and see if we can borrow some ant spray. So I ran next door and they had a fence with a little buzzer. Door buzzer on it. I'm ringing the doorbell, and and nobody. Finally, somebody says hello, and I says, "Well, can I borrow some ant spray? We've got ants all over the kitchen." She says, "No, I can't help you. It's the Shabbat." And that just I remembered that growing up. Said, "What is this Shabbat? You're not allowed to help somebody." But that's not what Yeshua said. That's not Yeshua's heart. In Matthew chapter twelve. Verse 9, and there's a whole, it's a, it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. The, the disciples are walking through the fields, and they're hungry, and so they're taking the wheat, and they're eating the wheat, and they're being criticized by the, the religious leaders. But verse 9, it says, Leaving from there, he went into their synagogue. A man with a withered hand was there, and so they might accuse him. They questioned Yeshua, saying, Is it permitted to heal on Shabbat? He said to them, What man among you will not grab a sheep grab his sheep and lift it out if it falls into a pit on Shabbat. How much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is permitted to do good on the Shabbat. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as healthy as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Yeshua pointed out there are exceptions for work on the Shabbat. If you're helping somebody, it's good to help them. If you're doing good, he healed people on the Shabbat. We have permission to heal people. Jan, God healed you of a headache this morning on Shabbat, didn't he? Amen. Another thing about Shabbat, it's not a time of mourning. It's not a time of weeping. It's not a time of fasting, but a time of celebrating and enjoying his presence and blessings. In other words, many people, even if they're called to a fast over a period of time, they choose not to fast on a Shabbat. Now that's between them and the Lord. So let me just bring things to a close here. Worship team, come on up. I read this quote by Chuck Pierce. I really love it. Shabbat is in the heart of God's covenant plan. As we enter in by faith, and, and this is so important, Shabbat, Is an opportunity to walk in faith. It's an opportunity to trust him, to walk in faith. As we enter in by faith and experience a day of material and spiritual delight, the desires of our hearts are purified and we can savor being in his presence. And that's what it's all about, being in his presence. Shabbat is a time to be still and know. In order to triumph over our enemies, this day provides a time to let a new dimension of faith rise in our midst so that we can praise God in every circumstance. Just stand with me. Psalm 46, verses 11 and 12. Be still and know that I'm God. God sets a time, He calls it Shabbat every week. He says, I know, son, I know, daughter, you've been busy and running around all week. You've been involved in some busyness, and you've been involved in some good stuff, too. But I'm saying I want you to be still. I want you to be still in my presence and know that I am God. Amen. Are we okay? Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. He's exalted and lifted up among the nations. He says, I am exalted in the earth. Adonai Seva'ot, the Lord God of angel armies, is with us. Do we experience that? Do we know that in our hearts? The God of Jacob is our strong tower. And then he ends it with Silah. Pause. Think about this. Shabbat is about knowing him. Being still and know him. That's hard in this day, is to be still. You know, that's one thing about the last couple of months. We've been on an elongated Shabbat. You know, some of us, you know, we're getting like, we kind of disoriented. We don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. But you know what? It's been an opportunity to really just say, God, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to be with you. I want to be still. And 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 he said, okay, I'm going to give you about nine weeks. I want you to just be still and know me for the next nine weeks. Some of us anyways. So what is... What, is it, what do we observe on Shabbat? First of all, it's an act of worship. It's a time where we focus. We focus and we place him in the highest place in our lives, in our families, in our work, in our congregation. I think if you start observing and remembering and, and loving Shabbat, guess what? Your family and your friends are going to go, I want that too. I want that too. It's an illustration of salvation, being in him, ceasing from my own works. It's a time as I remember my salvation that I've been delivered out of a world system that is against me. And you've got to know this. The system in this world, it's against you. It is not for you. It doesn't want you to cease from your labors. It wants you to work until you got nothing left inside of you. But we can rest in his finished work. It's a day to receive blessings. Shabbat is a day of blessings. He says, I want to receive, and I don't know about you, but I want to receive all that I can from him. When I rest in him and I'm in obedience, blessings will chase after me. And, you know, when we say this also during our Torah service, the Shabbat is a picture of the Messianic era to come, where we will enjoy him forever. He says I want to give you a rehearsal every 7 days. Enjoy my presence. It's just a it's just a teaser, it's just a it's not just a teaser, but it's it's just a it's a prereq- it's a it's a rehearsal for the real thing. It's an exe- it's a picture of the messianic era where we'll enjoy him forever. And it's also a place where we get our strength for the battles ahead. As I was talking about, we're in a new wine skin of a wineskin where God is calling us to consecrate ourselves to Him, so that we are able to hear Him and see Him and be restored regularly. This is a new. This is this is something that we need to experience as that wineskin, because He wants to fill us with the new wine of His glory and His presence. But He's not going to. He's not going to pour that new wine of His glory and presence into an old wineskin. Can't can't happen. It will burst. So, he wants us to to walk in a new wineskin. Hallelujah. He wants us to walk in the authority of relationship with him, obedience, that those stones would be removed over the wells of blessing. Amen. 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 As we enter into a time of worship, this is also a time where we give of our tithes and offerings. And and I'm going to ask,